Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Look around you. That car you're driving, that house your family lives in, making your daughter laugh, inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive, teaching him he can be anything, all you. And your dreams for tomorrow, you'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. But this is a story not of the universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And for this episode, we'll be getting into Season 3, Episode 1 of Legends of Tomorrow, called a Rubicon, uh, as per Wikipedia. In the altered Los Angeles, the Legends encounter Rip, who reveals that he has created the Time Bureau to replace the Council. Bureau agents fix the anachronisms, and Rip disbands the Legends. Six months later, the Legends are living normal lives, nostalgic for their previous adventures. In Aruba, Mick captures Julius Caesar and informs Sarah, who takes Ray and Nate in a quest to prove their worth to the Bureau. After delivering the wrong man and being dismissed by Rip, the Legends, joined by Jack's and Reluctant Stein, steal the Wave Rider and capture the real Caesar. When Rip demands they deliver Caesar to the Bureau and they and let the Bureau fix the anachronism, the Legends choose to return Caesar to 49 BC themselves. During the return, Caesar steals Nate's history book and uses his knowledge to conquer the world. The Bureau arrives and seizes the operation. During an excursion to retrieve the book, Agent Sharp is captured, forcing Rip to allow the Legends to fix the anachronism. Rip tells Sharp that the Legends can be useful in neutralizing malice. Uh, in Zimbezi, 1942, a more powerful Amaya attacks a group of poachers who seek to harm her village. Alright, um, first thoughts on the episode, man. What you got? The show is making fun of itself, and I like it. <laughs> I mean, it, it spends most of the episode... Uh, sometimes we screw things up for the better, is the quote. And, it, yeah, that's the theme of this episode, and possibly the theme for this season. I think it's a good direction. Like they use Rimp, at, at Rip is just like Captain Lantern Hanger. It's wonderful. I I'm not sure I I like the idea. I don't I don't need them to try to justify um, how shitty the protagonists are. I, <laughs> I think you probably do. Like, I mean, no. they're the protagonists. Yeah, but they're awful. 
they are awful and they keep making stupid mistakes on the show that like aren't even like fun stupid mistakes it's like they shouldn't be in charge of things like i just i, I they're not good man <laughs> uh, yeah they're not yeah they're not good at their job but that's kind of they don't the... learn from their mistakes oh they do it's just that do they yeah but they they've one of the things i liked is uh one of my favorite parts of this one was they walk into the training simulator and are all excited that they're seeing like their old missions being performed and then <laughs> i mean the, the this class of trainees just blows them out of the water as far as how to uh how <laughs> how to actually execute that mission uh-huh i kind of like that like the show is specifically pointing out these guys are a bunch of fuck ups uh-huh. And that's their point. Like, they make, they make a whole... Uh, there's there's a, several mentions of... And I loved Rip's analogy. <laughs> like, um, something about doing brain surgery with a chainsaw. Uh-huh. And then later she mentions, we're going to be the scalpel. And then still later, he's talking to Agent Sharp uh, about, you know, we, we may need that chainsaw. Uh-huh. So, to me, instead of season one and two, we were making fun of them for just being terrible at their jobs. Now I like the I like the new direction where they're acknowledging that these people were terrible at their jobs. And yeah. we're embracing that. And now we've made Rip, the guy who should be good at his job, actually pretty good at his job and in charge of a bureau. Like he's doing I think what Destiny has called him to do. Like Rip Hunter mm-hmm. should be in charge of something like a time bureau. That makes sense to me. The rest of the team, oh yeah, they're uh they're the wild card. But the fact that they even justified at the end of the show where he is the wild card. Yeah, of course. Or the, the yeah. team is the wild card. Yeah, it makes sense to me. But now they've written the flaws of season one and two into the the fabric of season three, which I can I can get behind. I mean, after two seasons like that, yeah, you probably need to. It's I don't think they had no. I mean, turn it around. There's no other way to go. I, I just think they made the right decision on that one. Like if they'd shown me another premiere where they tried to fix everything and then didn't. I mean, we're just doing the same thing again. At least this way, they're embracing their past. Yeah. It's just frustrating. It's like, you know... Like, okay, like, right and nay... Uh, right and nay. Ray and Nate. <laughs> For instance. Right and nay, These guys, as we know them. Yeah. Uh, they've watched so much sci-fi. How are they... Le- why would they leave a book behind in the past? Like, why would they oh, let, that them, was let the him worst. grab it that from was- them? Easily the worst thing that happened. Like, like, how many times have we seen that scenario in sci-fi? Just <laughs> any time travel, anything, even Star Trek. You don't leave a you don't leave a communicator on a planet that hasn't developed warp drive. Damn it, man! Yeah, I, I you don't know. leave a book about gangsters on a planet of primitives. You go back, and they're all running around and shooting each other. Yeah, I I, I mean that was one of the one of my least favorite plot devices for the episode. I like yeah. I liked the tone the show's taking, but the uh, the the actual plot points are still yeah leave a lot to be desired. Yeah, like there's no reason it's Mick Rory that happens to be on a beach somewhere when Julius Caesar arrives. Now it's a funny yeah. scene, but it, yeah. there's it was no funny. reason. It was real dumb though. Yeah, I mean even Mick, even down to like whatever land I'll happen upon, I will conquer. Is that a fact? Yeah. Okay. Classic Mick just wants a fight, thinks it sounds fun, fantastic. And let's let's all take a moment to wonder what the hell happened to that horse, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to that horse. That horse is gone. <laughs> they didn't take that horse back. That was a, a, a pretty white horse. I doubt it has any secrets to divulge. <laughs> I mean, it's Aruba. 
hopefully there's just it's just going to be fed carrots by tourists for the rest of its known life rather than possibly being struck down in a revolution in the roman yeah. ages yeah i mean i totally could have i could have dealt with uh you know some comment in there like oh you know of all people why would julius caesar stumble across mick and then you know you have uh you know rip or somebody say like well because of you know how much you guys have time traveled your you know anachronisms are drawn to you or some stupid shit like that <laughs> yeah i mean any kind of they go so far on one occasion to bring up the term uh i had to write it down temporal linguistic dysplasia that doesn't exist uh-huh. for a damn good reason um mm-hmm. that's possibly one of the worst sci-fi explanations i've ever heard so yep. that doesn't work for me but at least they yeah. addressed it whereas it seems really lame, but I like that at least they addressed Rory's interaction with Sarah saying Rory was on a bender when Julius Caesar showed up. Uh-huh. At least it made me laugh. <laughs> right. It doesn't explain uh, anything, but they address, oh yeah, Rory was uh, getting super drunk. And he does. He's he's half drunk the entire episode. Yeah. Which, for all I know, he's half drunk the entire series. Yeah. Not, every fun. episode. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Sure. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I, I kind of loved Rip maybe the most this episode. Possibly because... Yeah, he was good. I loved Darvel and it was just nice to see him back. But I think it was because looking at the episode, it feels like they brought him back to reframe the series. Mm-hmm. And I, I like what I, I, I like what he did with it. If that if that was his purpose, I like where he's left this. Well, I don't um, really feel like he was supposed to be gone. I um, He just had to do that last season of Broadchurch, man. That's all it was. <laughs> No, he, he chose. <laughs> he made a decision, and I, I respect it. It's fine. But uh, him coming back, just a couple of lines. Um, talking to Sarah. I miss the, the, the good old days too, Sarah, but using your team to fix anything is like brain surgery with a chainsaw. Makes sense. Um, later, <laughs> explaining that the legends have never promised, or never permitted something like logic to stop them. Uh-huh. Uh, again, that all tracks. And then, like, even in hologram form, I trust you'll use your best judgment. And then Jax, ha! Does he not know us? Like, <laughs> it's just not okay, guys. <laughs> no, I I started to like it. At some point, I really did. Like, they all went back into the real world, found stupid jobs. Which, by the way, that CEO tech is the dumbest CEO tech ever presented on camera. Ever. For anything. Ever. While I will give him this, up and down does make more sense intuitively than left and right. Uh-huh. Um, hey, I have technology oh, yeah. that can shrink things and... <laughs> I want to say it's Planck's constant, but it's been too long. We're just going to abandon that. We're, we're fine. Uh, I don't know. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen on the show, possibly, is that CEO turning down Ray Palmer's technology. Mm-hmm. Anyway. See, so that, that was stupid of me because I'm like, okay, so the world knows you're alive. The dude, like, I was like, okay, well, maybe he had to, like, change his name or something because he's supposed to be dead or whatever no, it was. I know you used no, the guy, dick shot. Yeah. Uh, maybe don't give your company to a woman who runs it to the ground. Why couldn't he just go back to Felicity or you would think he could be able to get a better job than that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, no, and right, they obviously are around star city. Like you realize the, the time bureau headquarters headquarters is in star city. Uh huh. They're, they're shuffling between the two, which are like a 45 minute drive. It feels like on the show, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a 20 minute train ride. I mean, you, there, there are commuters that live in one that go to the other for work. Yeah. And even weirder, I, I, I'm not complaining about it. It just didn't seem to have a point that mm-hmm. Nate is the second most popular hero in Central City. Uh-huh. I mean, I enjoyed seeing Wally. Yeah, so do those are criminals. 
Why would he take off his mask in front of the criminals? Oh, uh, he just does all the time. He doesn't give a shit. While Nate is going, thanks, Wally. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, I just don't think Wally gives a damn. Your That's dad is, my, which tracks dad to me, man. Cop. Wally has always been, not always, but for the most part, Wally has been Wally West, the Flash. Like he is a known quantity in Central City. Like when he, he doesn't, he doesn't always do the dual personality thing. He does the like, yeah, I'm, I'm Wally West, the Flash. Mm, not, not so far in this show they haven't. In this continuity, they haven't, no. And especially they since his dad is a freaking cop. I know. They haven't straight outed him, but the fact that he's not, you know, over-obsessed at all with keeping his identity, it's fine with me. Yeah. I don't really understand why, like, you know, well, we have to fund jobs. I'm like, Nate is a historian. That's, he's an historian. That's what he did. That's mm. I, don't, I don't understand. Like, why is he just, he can only be a vigilante now. Oh, he's just doing that thing that was more fun. <laughs> I sure was. <laughs> <laughs> kidding me well yeah i mean you do that in your off time when <laughs> you're not being a, an historian I, I don't i don't know I, well it's a little bit like the jack's problem like it's hard to do engineering as a study when you've actually been an engineer on a time ship i yeah. could i could completely understand that yeah still um, don't know how he became an engineer on a time ship that's the storyline of him learning that ship that quickly leaves a lot to be desired granted but he um like it, him and Nate's problem. It's probably it, just temporal knowledge dysplasia. Yeah, temporal knowledge dysplasia. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. He traveled with the ship so much that uh, his and Gideon's knowledge was displaced. Uh, how much do you like that? Uh, the, how much do you like that exposition from Stein at the beginning? Like Jefferson, even though you and I have not seen each other, I can God, still I feel. God, yeah. Just like shut up. We still have a psychic link. I got physically annoyed by that. That was bad. I, it's it's hard when you're watching a show and kind of enjoying it. And I was. And I, and then there's a moment like that where you just audibly sigh and go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, he's super happy about Lily being preggers and, and Stein's... <coughs> Stein's going to hang in there for a minute, but you know damn well because we know some casting news that he's not going to be there forever. Um, uh-huh. So this was like the first seeds. Of, oh, I did like Jax's line about like, you know, that's all well and good, but what I really want to do is be be half of a nuclear-powered superhero. <laughs> that's, that's the best I've ever heard you express yourself, buddy. That makes yeah. complete sense to me. Yep. I don't know, I could be this or this or this, but if one of my options is half of a nuclear-powered superhero, I think I'd take that up. Yeah. Um, I uh, like that, the character of Lily. I think she should replace Stein, but... That actually would be a lot of fun. be kind of fun to see a... have a pregnant Legends, uh, or a legend, I guess. <laughs> or what yeah. if there's some mishap and it's just the actual infant that ends up on the ship? Oh, it could be cool. Yeah, Jax just takes care of it, and every now I was like, all right, baby, we got work to do, and just, like, grabs its hand, and they turn into Firestorm. <laughs> and then the whole time he's fighting, you just hear, <laughs> in the background. Well, it's like, okay, maybe Firestorm takes on the <laughs> takes on the appearance of the youngest of the uh, Oh, just flying nuclear-powered super just, baby. F- yeah, yes. flying nuclear superpower. trying to yeah. explain to it how its limbs work. <laughs> That would be, I mean, you've heard the term nightmare fuel. Imagine the scene where <laughs> Jax and Stein combine to be Ares slash Mars. Uh-huh. But imagine that with Jax trying to talk his way 
into a baby's head. There's a little <laughs> infant up there throwing fire, and Jack's the whole time going, Baby, it's going to be okay. If they don't do that now, I'm going to be really upset. I think I'd be upset either way. <laughs> the show's already jumped the shark for me. It just has, like, numerous times. I don't know when it was. It may have been when they were actually in the trash compactor with George Lucas. I don't that know. That was one of the good moments for jumping the shark. I I do... I, I I've already mentioned, like, I like the direction of this episode because... It, if what they're doing is making fun of themselves, which they did numerous times, uh-huh. uh huh. If that's where they're going to focus things, I I can dig it. No. We're a bunch of fuck ups. Sometimes we get things right. We have a lot of fun on the way. I can deal with that. Oh well, yeah, Sherman Smith over on the uh, Facebook p- page says, "I'm wondering why Legends of Tomorrow. I'm wondering why once a female character is portrayed as bisexual, that most creators tend to focus on her as only a lesbian, uh, white canary." Uh, well, this episode they did actually, uh, they brought that up. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she, uh, said she slept with a guy and took his key card off of him, so. Yeah, they, they did make some promises this season that it wasn't, um, <laughs> gonna be, the meter wouldn't be so tilted towards females. Yeah, uh, you know, I, uh, I've wondered that at times myself, but, um, looks like they're addressing that at least here. I think, uh, I think answering the question, I think it, I think they just sort of, lean on that a little bit to establish character. They lean on like a, you know, sort of the more abnormal part of a character, I guess you would say. Like, just something that you don't see in most TV shows. They lean on that a little heavier than actually developing a character. Because it's easier to do that than develop a character, I think. That's that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I think people cheat with it sometimes. And the the shame is, is that... Uh... I think there's a middle ground where you can use male personality types and female personality types in relationships and really have some fun. And I I think a lot of people, a lot of writers cheat themselves out of that, where they call a character bisexual and then just have her be a lesbian or have him be a, you know, homosexual or be gay. So they could really have a lot of fun with playing the whole field. and, And some people just, I don't know. I don't know what it is that happens in a writer's room, room where like, you just do lip service to bisexuality, but you don't actually play with all the cards you have at your disposal. I don't. I don't know. I just think. I think there's a lot more to write if you did it that way. But uh, he's right. People just throw it in there and then don't use all of it. I. I don't yeah. get it. I don't get it at all. Yeah. I think the. I think what it really is is that uh, you know at the beginning. I mean, aside from what I've already said, at the beginning you introduce a female character, um, and usually she's you know either interested in or with the, you know, main male protagonist. And then at some point you realize like, oh, we got a bunch of straight people on this show. Let's change it up a little bit. And you have to find a way to, you know, make them, oh, well, they're bisexual. And then after that, everybody just wants to write them as as gay. I mean, it happened on Buffy. It happened with Willow. Like, once she got with, uh, with, what was her name, Tara? Is that right? Tara. <laughs> Yeah, she never went back, but, you know, we watched her pine over Xander for, what, three or four years? Yeah. It was just, you know, it's it kind of weird to me. But it, I mean, don't get me wrong, it happens in real life uh, and I think, I think, like, all the time. Progressively, like it's, it's, uh, I think progressively they feel like they're going backwards if they have those characters date men again. You know what I mean? No, or I don't think versa. it's just thought for it. I, I don't think people are putting that much thought into it. Honestly, don't. I, I think... I don't think they're putting thought into it. I think it's a subconscious thing. I think it's more conscious, and they're not 
focusing on the wrong... It, let me put it this way. Um, like, for someone it, among the spectrum, it is incredibly common for someone to uh, be straight, have a homosexual relationship, and then that's that's the rest of their life. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Honest to God, I've seen it the other way around. Uh, it, it's... Mm-hmm. Any of these variations, they all happen. But sure. I think what happens with writers sometimes is they get freaking lazy. And they think they have a good storyline where we're going to make this character... We're going to make this character... We're going to put this character in a uh, same-sex relationship. Because they mm-hmm. think they have a good storyline or they want to play with it or they want to use the, the demographics to their advantage. Uh-huh. All right. I mean, you're a writer. That's your job. That's fine. Where I think it gets lazy is when they... I think sometimes they use the bisexual card... That as a placekeeper, or like a valve system, where if they want to, they can go back. They don't have to commit to the uh-huh. story. They can go back. It's fine. And like some of them, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I like you because in several examples, you you hear the word bisexual, and then like you said, it's never brought up again. And that's what he's bringing mm-hmm. up. Um, I I just think some of it's lazy. Is all. Yeah. That's really what I'm getting at. It, it if they ever want to, they can go back, but they don't have to. Is my point. Yeah. Which, you know, in the case of Sarah, she just, it just, no matter what, it just seems to always be there to, for her to boast about her conquests or something. Like, that's just that character, where she's just always making some little quip about how she had sex with somebody, if they're not about to tie her up and burn her at the stake for it. Yeah. (laughs) Which, that's still my favorite line in all of Legends, where they're like, you've corrupted the young women, in my defense, they were happily corrupted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> the only thing um, I wish they would do is is I I I, I'm, I mean I, su- I support their use of Sarah either way as far as like her sexuality goes, and I like her having conquests. It's fine. It rounds out the character. I just wish they would look at her less weird on screen when they actually mention. It. Like she mentions it this time, and they both stare at her like she's grown a third eye. Like just. It, it, to me, would it be so hard for them to just kind of like, like keep their arms crossed and go like, nice, and move on with their day? I don't know, you know, um, you know, like at work or in, in, you know, real life, you know, you see, you have those people in your life who say stuff like that, and most people just, I mean, whether they're straight or gay or what, it doesn't matter. You, when you like actively uh, boast about something you did sexually the night before or whenever. People look at you like a little bit like ew. They just do. <laughs> like that's just we as a culture, at least here in America, we find sex repugnant. <laughs> now I don't really care, whatever. But you know, I I see it all the time. People like yeah, I did this this last night, and people are just like just stare at them like, oh, all right. Why would you? <laughs> you didn't have to tell to me you. about it. <laughs> you didn't have to say that. Yeah. All right. I assumed you did things with your things. Yeah. I just it, to me it's a little unre- or unrealistic that as many times as they've brought up her uh, what'd you say conquests uh, that yeah at, at this point I, I, I say that think, I say that specifically for Sarah. Well, and they have the same thing like they talk about Mick in the con in in the course of this episode they talk about he how he's compiling STDs and the rest of the team's like yep that's our guy. <laughs> But so for me, like, would it would it be so weird just to have Sarah mention that she gets she gets a lot too, and and yeah. you know just move on and be like, yep, that's our Sarah. No, 
it's different because one thing, if if Mick had said it, if Mick had boasted about it, had said it to them, to their face, they would have all looked at him like, "Ooh, that is completely fair." It totally would have. And it, it would if have had, joking it also about would have had to do with how Mick says something, though. <laughs> like if Mick had just yes. been in the same, it, the exact same dialogue in that elevator, if he had said, uh, <laughs> uh, "She she left it over," well, maybe I took it off her in the morning. Like, yeah, Nate and Ray would have looked at him the same way. I I, yeah, yeah. I agree. But if you're making a crack about a friend behind their back. <laughs> it's suddenly okay. <laughs> oh, there's my boy racking up STDs. <laughs> I love that dumb bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you broke my nose. Is my, my best, best feature. feature. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh man. All right, I got two more things to mention, and I'm 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 out of sure. mentions. Uh. <sighs> So, I liked Amaya where she is. Yeah. That seemed pretty cool. I even liked the grin on her face when, like, she's she's back there murdering rapists with spirit animals. Seems like a fine use of one's time. Uh-huh. I even liked that she kind of grins as the, as, as the guy is screaming, like, yep, came after my people, huh? How'd that work out for yeah. you? Now, uh, we, we had a listener, um, Artista Om- Omer... El Malaya on our uh, on our Facebook page says just watched the first episode of Legends. It was fine until the end where um, Amaya fired up her amulet and the apparitions attacked the hunters instead of empowering her. I yelled at the screen. It was really good until the stinger. Yeah, we haven't seen her do that before, but I think that was kind of the point. See, on the one hand, I agree with him I, mm-hmm. that yes, that's not how her power works. It's not even how her power works in the cartoon, right? Or the animated series, I'll say. Um, yeah, but it does make more sense than what it would look like if you just had her kind of embody a gorilla and they did all the CGI of the gorilla around her and then she swung her fist and it was the gorilla that did it instead. Like that seems (laughs) Mm -hmm. honest, honest to God, it's just more expensive. That seems more expensive. Well, this is, it's not exactly like, um, I think it was a purposeful deviation um, it, it's not like they just forgot. It seemed very much like she was a freaking god, man. It's like she's just throwing her hands up, her eyes are glowing. She's like, you know, laughing maniacally. It's like you can hear these the animal spirits ripping these people apart. I don't know what's laughing maniacally, but there was certainly a glorified smirk. She looked. She yeah, I don't remember. She was happy with herself. She was. She was. Ha- she was happy, which is fine. Um, I I do. I mean, I I feel him on that. Like that's traditionally not how the character works. I get it, but I think for television and for their budget, it was a pretty. It, it's an okay adaptation. If anything bothers I mean, me I about don't... it, it's that the Vixen cart uh, like animated series isn't strictly informed with it. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't. I don't know about all that. I really don't. I don't. Maybe you can become a god with that. I, I don't know. Yeah, there might be like a kind of another level to it. I mean, if you look at if you look at the uh, like if you go back to the Vixen cartoon and you look at what who the people she's fighting with their amulets, they seemed a lot closer to what we just saw in Legends. I mean, glowing eyes, throwing their hands up, you know, yeah, raising the roof, so <laughs> to speak, <laughs> uh, <laughs> destroying things with you know their uh, with with powers as opposed to just embodying a thing. I don't yeah. know. Seems seems like it could be uh, you know. It doesn't sound... I, I, next level shit. Yeah, it doesn't sound impossible by any stretch. 
And like I said, it seems it seemed really purposeful, like a very purposeful deviation. So, yeah, like oh shit, what's this about? Not a hey, we forgot how the character works for half a minute, which you know they do plenty of times. It, so. It's not unprecedented within the Arrowverse in general to forget how a character works. <laughs> God help them, it's happened. Um, sure. Can I bring up one thing that really bothered me? Sure. It, no one was afraid enough of those dinosaurs. Like, define no one. No one. No one at any any point in that first scene was as afraid of those dinosaurs as I think they should be. There were people jogging away at a speed that does not, to me, say running away from dinosaur. <laughs> like, if, what, if, told, what I've always told you, man, don't look at the extras. <laughs> I swear at one point, one of them ran underneath one's tail. <laughs> I could swear that's what happened. But yeah, they're like oh. they're like just running across their path and and just yeah, if you really look at the extras it's just, it's very distracting. Like there mm-hmm. there's no it does no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. My favorite part is the legends are just kind of strolling down the street. We're not all jogging uh-huh. down the street even. We're just, we're it's a brisk walk, but they're walking down the street and you can tell they're looking at their surroundings, like that there are dinosaurs around. But my favorite part is they're walking down one street, and in the background you can see one of the dinosaurs kind of walking behind them. I don't know, uh-huh. about a hundred yards or so, maybe less than a block. I'll say that is a great enough distance or a small enough distance that you should really be worried about a Tyrannosaurus Rex behind your ass, and just nothing, sure. just nothing, no, no care whatsoever. And then. There's the break in the scene, and suddenly they turn the corner, and oh my god, there's one. So they're not afraid enough, and then suddenly, oh my god, and then she can talk to dinosaurs, and then not even Nate turns up. I'm sorry, if I'm Nate, I know the rest of my team is about to be eaten alive, but I'm turning still. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going down too. I'm not just going to get eaten in solidarity, like in honor of the rest <laughs> of my team. I'm turning steel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this guy's teeth. Based on everything we've seen of Nate. He'd be that dumb, possibly. But yeah, I, I that that first scene, the relaxed nature of dealing with those dinosaurs really bothered me. And they mm-hmm. and they show up and like Rip shows up, and that's the big thing that happened that day. You walked outside of your ship. There was there were dinosaurs. I mean, even Ray getting distracted by oh the Big Ben. I've always wanted to visit that dinosaurs, dinosaurs, motherfucker. Keep yeah. keep your head straight. There are T Rex running around the city. That whole scene was very distracting for me, sorry. I hear you, man. That was rough. I mean, you know, it all tracked with me with their personalities because they're just stupid assholes. They they are. And I like, again, I like where the show's heading. They're embracing the fact yeah. that it's a team full of stupid assholes. By the way, is it the first time we've actually seen, like, blood drawn in the, in this show? Like, when, when uh, Sarah attacks her ridiculous retail assistant manager, like, when she slits his throat, there's blood. Where I've, yeah, but it was a dream. I mean, I know it was a dream, but I've noticed at times in the show, you know, someone will, will clearly get run through with a sword, and then you pull the sword back, and it's pristine and clear, like it's never seen a... Well, like it's never run through someone's viscera. Yeah. But I always assumed it was a CW thing where they, they said, nah, you can't actually have, like, you know, real blood drawn on the show. We're not doing that. Yeah, I don't get that. That's lame, but whatever. Oh, sorry. There was one other moment that really bothered me. It was small, but it did annoy me. Like, how classic of a trap is it that you leave the one thing the team comes for so you can ambush them? 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've seen that. And even even Stein brings up oh League of Assassins technique. No, I learned that at Shoplift and Beyond or whatever the hell it is she worked for. Uh huh. That's where she learned that in retail. Really. <laughs> I've worked in retail. That that's not a thing. I mean, it's a thing in big box stores. <laughs> There are people in security that that's their entire job is to do stuff like that and look at the cameras and grab people. It It's not unprecedented, well, sure. but, that, but, but really out know. of Sarah's lifetime, that's the thing she drew from. <sighs> I just don't think she would have been the person to know about that. About the, the security yeah, technique? Like she wasn't in security. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, if you put it in character, for her to know about the security techniques of some random store she was working at that I could dig because like she would maybe go out of her way to look at that out of boredom. Yeah. But for real out of her, her, her box of expertise and that's the thing you pull out of it. She ran, she learned that at retail. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the, uh, the tech, the security technique at the, uh, the Walmart I worked at several, several years ago was, Hey, pass me that donut. Hey, look at that guy. He's trying to take a box out of the store. Do you care? Yeah. Hey, ha- hand me another bu- another donut. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I I've looked at someone before and thought, yeah, he looks like he's stealing. Yeah. All right. Look at Cheryl's face. Look at her. Like she, that box is so big underneath his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually seen that at all. I have though working at a grocery store when I was very young. Watched a guy just kind of roll a cart of groceries to the door and keep going and thought, well, I'm not gonna try to stop him. <laughs> I mean, that's. I'm, getting, I'm not exaggerating this. I think I was being paid four fifty an hour. <laughs> this was a minute ago. Yeah, I wasn't gonna try to stop him for that. I was at a Walmart with my sister a few years ago, and um, we were about to leave, and we like look up, and this guy's just like look at like the most conspicuous man. Like he's just looking around, like, taking like, two steps, looking around, real exaggerated. Mm-hmm. But he's walk. He's got he's got a box underneath his like under his shirt. Very obvious box. Nice. And he's just walking. He walks past the greeter, and uh, we can still see him. He's still heading toward the door. And we went and you know walked up to a cashier and said, "Hey, that guy's uh, stealing something." But she just like slowly looks over at him. We all watch him walk out the door. She goes, "Huh? All right." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not worth it. That for was the it. Most part. I did see a guy in a uh, in a grocery store one time. This is well, well past my years of working there. Saw uh, one guy whose uh, his pants were just extraordinarily full, like just you know those really deep pocketed like uh, sweatpants you you can find. Uh-huh. He had his hands in his pants, and his they were deep pocketed, but they were they were wider than they should have been, like MC Hammer wide, but like tapered at the bottom, like normal pants. But anyway, I looked at that and thought, well, that doesn't check out. But I was moving on; I didn't care. Uh-huh. And then about five minutes later, I kind of turned back from, you know, heading to the back of the store and go to the back, go to the front of the store again. And, and suddenly there were cops there and, and he had hidden two giant bottles of wine in his pants. And I kind of thought, well, his date night's over. That's not <laughs> happening now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoplifting tales. I got one more question for you. All right. And I'm well and truly, I suppose, out. But obviously Stein's going to go. Do you suppose sure. he's going to transfer his powers to another person or completely to Jefferson? Hmm. But, I mean, transfer of powers, right? I would think if that were possible. I mean, I mean, I guess it is possible. They've done it before. Yeah. They'll they'll find a way. But, I mean, 
My bet was, do they? Because traditionally, Firestorm is a two-person entity. So, do you make it? Do you cast someone else? Which I haven't actually seen anyone. I mean, the the news just recently came out that uh, Victor Graber is going to uh, eventually leave the show. But I haven't mm-hmm. seen anything about a, a recast of any kind. So that's, I, I guess, the question's still up for debate. Like, do they kind of rework the characters so that Jefferson can do this by himself now, mm-hmm. or do we recast somebody or, or bring in someone else? And I think there was already a Jason somewhere back in the canon. But... Yeah, they did. They they actually did Jason Rush for, and they didn't make him Firestorm. They just talked to him for a minute. Yeah, and then moved on, which was annoying. But whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I care. Like, if I, if it was my choice, I would probably, um, have Stein just abandon it and then, um, kill off Jax. (laughs) So, just redo the character entirely. Gotcha. No, no, we don't need a Firestorm. He's too powerful of a character. They don't even use him half the time, more than half the time, because he's too powerful of a character. It is hard to write. Kill him off. Yeah, it really is. Oh, speaking of, uh, tiny characters. Uh, the opposite, obviously, of what you were talking about. I, uh, I did laugh my ass off at that little book moving across the table. Uh-huh. That was funny. Just a couple inches. And then and then Ray, howdy! Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. That's got my problems with it. But, but the show can be funny, man. That was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our, our buddy Jacob Raspberry uh, messaged us and said he wanted it. Uh, <laughs> he wanted them to just do a spinoff with Ray... Uh, I'm going to do it again. Ray and Nate. Uh, Ray and Nate called Super Bros. <laughs> I could deal with that, actually. Was it Super Bros? It wasn't Super Bros. I'm not even reading it. Hold on. It wasn't Super Bros. It was like Time Bros or something. It was That's even better. Like that. Yeah, Time Bros. Time Bros? Yeah. Which I'd be happy to see them, you know, fall into the Time Vortex never to be seen again. Right. <laughs> Like, you know, Ray hasn't been Ray from Arrow Season 3 in a real long time. A real damn long time. Right. No, I... He, he was sort of goofy, it. but... Mm. I, I, he's goofy, but he's still commanding. I, I don't know. There are parts of it, but... I don't know. I don't know that I completely agree. Mm. He's just so damn goofy. Anyway, I think that's it. That's all I've got. You good? You ready to move on to Arrow? Ready to do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, you can find every free episode at DCOnScreen.com. That's all of them, folks. Every episode's free. Um, We are in partnership with TV Time, your TV show calendar available on the web, Android, and iOS. We tweet at DCOnScreen. You can come like us on Facebook, DCOnScreen. Yeah, we'll be coming right back with the... uh, with the Arrow season premiere Fallout. And uh, until then... Keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52 Week 4. It was performed by me, David Z. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band Future Elevators can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Eli Ophelders of Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud and can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We're a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network, giantsizeteamup.com. 
DC On Screen is a Maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Are you maladjusted? Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender. First Commonwealth Bank. Member FDIC. You know what drives you, what inspires you. You know why you're here today, thinking about your education and your career. But do you know how to get where you're going? Indiana Wesleyan University is a place where your dreams and goals are known, where you're pushed to excel, and you're supported beyond graduation day. Explore our tuition guarantee, our faith-integrated coursework, and more than 100 online degree programs. See how it's possible at iwuishow.com.